Jumilang Mzanzi, Nolutandang Lakani here, your head of news over at Health for Mzanzi. Joining me on this podcast, my colleague and co-sister in action, Sinesi Potom. Hey Lulu, and to our listeners, welcome back to another episode of Sisters Without Shame, a podcast that is proudly brought to you by Health for Mzanzi. Suffer in silence for who when this podcast is a safe space for your medical shames and woes. Every week, we will hold your hand as we unpack those ever-so-embarrassing health questions you would not dare ask in public. Ingrown toenails and stinky breath got you down? No problems, babes. We got you. Bona, I can smell festival around the corner, Nguanesu! <laughs> Lulu, I can't wait to shake my booty on someone's father's yacht somewhere in Dubai. Dubai. In a song. <laughs> Before we break free, Sine, we do have some friends in crisis to attend to. Now, as our listeners do know, on every episode, we listen to a voice note, read a WhatsApp or email message received from a Health for Mzanzi reader. Remember, your messages are confidential and we will never mention your name unless you want us to. Sine, who is our friend in crisis this week? Lulu, this week we have a message from Putari Chaba. Anonza writes, Hi Lulu and Sine. I love the festive, I really did. But as a new parent, I cannot get past my anxiety surrounding my baby's safety. As a parent, does the worrying ever stop? Life changes when you become a parent. Suddenly, things that never seemed dangerous before become a carnival ride of danger. How can I make sure that my beautiful bundle of joy is safe this season? This week, we are joined by Dr. Claudia Gray from the Kids Allergy Clinic in Cape Town. Dr. Gray is a highly specialized pediatrician and allergy specialist. She is also a part-time allergy consultant at Red Cross Children's Hospital and an honorary senior lecturer at the University of Cape Town. Dr. Gray has numerous publications in the field of allergy and presents regularly at local and international conferences. She assists in editing the journal Current Allergy and Clinical Immunology and has been a member of the Executive Committee of the Allergy Society of South Africa since 2012. Prof, let us look at child safety at a glance. What are some basic tips that you can share for distressed parents who are gearing up for the holiday? This is a very large question because it depends on the age of the child and it depends on what safety aspect you're looking at. Because actually, this can be seen as all through the spectrum from a young baby to a teenager, all of whom have their safety concerns. So certainly for young children and toddlers who really don't yet have a sense of what's right and what's wrong and what's dangerous and not dangerous, you have to unfortunately be their pair of eyes at all times. And what I suggest, because it's exhausting looking after a little toddler or a little baby, so I suggest you take shifts. You take shifts with your spouse or your partner, whoever is with you on holiday, or if there's another responsible adult, take turns so that you can all have some time off as well. And when that person's on duty, they are fully on duty. You need to keep your eyes peeled on this little kid. 
So from a safety point of view in general, I would suggest have one adult in charge of kids at all times, take turns and be especially careful around water. Water is very unforgiving. So make sure if you're not in your own comfort zone that swimming pools are fenced and closed and covered if you have young children. And if they are uncovered, you need to be with them. You need to be holding their hands. You need to be with them at all times. Don't even look down to look at your phone. Look at your child at all times. You know, there's so many aspects of safety to talk about. But with the young children, it's really just watching them all the time. With the slightly older kids, it's all about knowing where they are at all times. They may leave your side for short periods of time, but you have to know exactly where they are and they need to know exactly where you are. If they need to come and call for help or if someone's had a fall or grazed a knee, they know where mom or dad or aunts or grandparents are to provide them with help. But this age group, sort of your 6 to 12-year-old age group, will need a little bit of leeway to do their own thing. And you need to allow them that, but know where they are at all times. The teenagers, my goodness, this is probably the hardest age group because we'd love to watch them all the time, but they don't want us there anymore. I think with your teens, have really have the chat before you go on holiday Talk about the birds and the bees. Talk about what they may be exposed to. Talk about drugs. Talk about substances and really bond as a family and try and do as many family activities together as you can. The teens will want to go off for short periods of time doing their own thing, but make sure that you have meals together, that you have structured time together, that you can really bond as a family. So as you can see, this is a huge topic and it really depends on the age and the stage as do many things in children and pediatrics. I love the sort of transition with the ages. <laughs> Prof, what are some essentials to include in your child's safety kit over the festive season? When you talk about a safety kit, obviously you can't, when you are traveling, bring along their whole cot or their whole gating system that you use at home. So I think when you're talking about safety kit, we're really talking about emergency kit for emergency medications. So from a safety point of view, I think parents need to know that it's rather better to be equipped with certain things and medications than have to try and source them, especially a place you don't know or a place that's not close to a hospital or indeed a foreign country where it just may be difficult for you to even communicate the language. So in a basic kit, I think first of all, have something for bruises and wounds, have an antiseptic ointment and have some nice plasters. Secondly, for um, things and bites and allergic reactions, an antihistamine syrup, a quick-acting antihistamine syrup, you can always consult your doctor to tell them the exact brands, definitely have a bottle of an antihistamine syrup and maybe a strip of antihistamine tablets for adults who can also get bitten and bitten by a jellyfish or stung by a bee. So those are antihistamines really have some stuff for fevers, fevers and pain. So it's worth having your paracetamol, it's worth having your neurofen or your ibuprofen, all the things that you normally used to giving your kid for fevers, nose sprays. So often with traveling, people's noses get blocked up and then kids are more prone to getting air infections and sinus. So I would have a nice decongestant nose spray and a saline nose spray. And then we come to some of the medications that you may need to get on script. And I would suggest you do this if you're traveling far or if you're traveling in isolated areas. It may well be worth having a cortisone syrup. Children get things like croup, where they wake up in the night and suddenly they go, and they can't breathe. This is terribly scary. So rather be equipped and have a bottle of cortisone syrup, which is not just to be used for coughs and colds, please, not at all, but for emergencies like croup or wheezes or tight chests. 
vomiting and diarrhea. This one catches you out, doesn't it? So often when you're in foreign countries and eating slightly different food, the kids may get queasy tummies or you may get a queasy tummy. So it's worth having some nausea treatment to go along. There's some excellent little wafers that dissolve under the tongue that you can get and something for diarrhea. So maybe something to harden the stool, one of those sachets. So nausea and diarrhea, absolutely imperative. Also, there's nothing worse than going on an airplane and your child pukes all over the show. So if you are prone to getting car sickness or motion sickness, then you can give your kid something for the nausea in advance. If you're traveling very far and very far from medical attention and you've been through things like air infections or chest infections with your kid and you know they're prone to it, it may be worth asking your doctor for a bottle of dry antibiotics. So a powder that's not yet reconstituted. So it's easy to travel with and doesn't have an expiry date uh, or an, an immediate expiry date. So you travel with your powdered antibiotics. And if it comes to the fact that your kid's really sick or they're pulling on their ears and you think, where do I go and see a doctor? You can let your doctor know at home and maybe start the antibiotics. So you just have to add a nice sterile water, like boiled water or distilled water and shake it up and use it according to instructions. So those are some of the basics that I would have in my emergency kit. It's such an extensive kit because I know that parents always, they never travel with just one bag when they do travel. There's all these extra things that they must have. And then Prof, is there anything a parent can do to keep their child under 12 safe from COVID, especially, you know, with this much anticipated fourth wave that's coming? Well, not much anticipated, but the imminent. But I think we need to be sensible and we need to look at countries in Europe, for example, they are experiencing fourth waves and it's probably going to come our way. We're not quite sure when, if it's maybe second half of December, maybe January, we're not quite sure. But the bottom line is to stick to the principles that we now know so well. So we've all been letting go a little bit in the last week or two because numbers are very low. People are desperate to socialize. And I realize this, even as a mom, as a doctor myself, we've been seeing more people than usual, but this can't last forever. So as soon as we start seeing our numbers rising, I think we need to pull back again with socializing with big groups. This is your biggest risk is indoor socializing in groups. So once we see our numbers rising again, especially for the kids who love to socialize and the teenagers who can't wait to socialize, we have to then, when the numbers go up, realize that small groups of people you know well are better to socialize with. Because at least if you're not socializing with a huge group that you hardly know, if anyone has COVID in your small group, they will let you know and you can do the proper quarantining and isolation. So stick to small groups of people you know. That's my first principle. And the others we know so well. So try not to socialize in indoor spaces. Outdoor is much safer. And there's almost negligible COVID transmission if you're having a garden party in comparison to an indoor party where everyone's dancing on top of each other. You know, keep your masks on in indoor areas, in restaurants when you aren't eating, in shopping centers, etc. Practice good hand hygiene. And we know all these principles. If you're feeling unwell, then think about your fellow human being and don't socialize until you know that you're either COVID-free or you better. So the basics apply. And I would say the most important transmission is airborne with COVID. So people in close proximity, even just speaking, laughing, coughing. So remember your small groups of people you know well. That's probably the best tip I can give you. A question that parents always wonder about, how do you help a picky eater try more healthy foods? (laughs) 
For a holiday question, it's an excellent question because picky eaters often become even more picky on holiday if they're outside of their comfort zone. So picky eating is a whole topic to itself. Um, so I don't think it's really appropriate to discuss under the holiday care. But if you do have a picky eater and you're traveling, especially somewhere where there's buffets and they provide the food, I think you need to go in equipped with extra snacks and extra shakes because your fussy eater will not want to eat food that they are not used to. So in hotels, etc., you might have to go to the local shop and just get some yogurts or whatever you know is a safe food for them. Have some good quality snacks if they're not allergic to nuts, etc., so that your picky eater will at least get some calories. Because we see it too often that our picky eaters travel and it's a disaster. They don't eat at all. It becomes stressful for everyone. It just becomes an unpleasant holiday. So I think go equip, take another bag and fill it up with healthy snacks or things that you know that your child likes to eat because it can be very stressful if you're at a hotel etc and your child doesn't eat a thing another tip you know you'll probably find the basics like you know slices of toast or a little bit of porridge or plain noodles that your picky eater might have but then you want to fill that up also with healthy stuff so it may just be with taking a pack of apples or taking a pack of fruit those things that are not as easy to come by when you're traveling or when you are in a different place, go to the local supermarket and stock up on some healthy stuff because your picky eater must not ruin your holiday. And then long-term picky eating is a completely different story. I mean, that's a very, very big topic to itself. It's very, very hard. But number one, make sure you see someone who knows about nutrition to make sure your kid's diet, no matter how picky they are, is nutritionally complete. And this may mean adding nutrition shakes or high calorie shakes, et cetera. And those are also nice and easy to take on holiday. That's the one thing. And then remember with picky eating, Generally, the first year of life, you need to expose kids to as much as possible because they're less picky then until about 14 months, then they become stubborn. And the other trick is, you know, with picky eating, if you put something on a kid's plate once and they reject it, don't give up. Very often, it takes 14, 15, 16, 17, even 20 times of having that food on your kid's plate before they start to accept it. So keep on persevering with foods that you think are healthy. Eventually, your kid will go. And most picky eaters, I promise you, it gets much better when they're at primary school or high school. When they're at high school, they want to eat you out of house and home. So it does pass, but make sure your kid's diet is nutritionally complete in the meantime, by hook or by cook. What are the, the long-term effects of picky eating? Do they ever culminate into bigger health problems? Yeah, you're absolutely right. In the severe cases, they can culminate in anorexia, depression, malnutrition. So it is something that you have to take quite seriously. But most cases are mild and temporary. So to put this in perspective, all toddlers are picky to a certain extent. So that's why I say, you know, be sensible. Just count together what they have in a day and make sure it's nutritionally complete. Make sure there's some protein, some carbs, some fruits and veg, some dairy or calcium equivalent, some healthy fats. However you put them in, if it's with a nutritional shake or whatever, it doesn't matter. Go speak to someone and make sure your child, especially in the first three years of life, is getting all the nutrients it needs. Remember those first three years are the golden thousand days where the brain grows, your neurons, your synapses are developed, your body grows. And if you've got a nutritional deficiency during that time, it can affect your growth and development. So number one, make sure it's nutritionally complete. And most kids outgrow it. 
but we see a couple of kids who really give problems, get eating disorders, have repercussions of nutritional deficiencies, and also land up with a sort of psychological anxieties, depression. So it can occur, but in perspective, most cases are milder than that. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Dr. Gray. For more safety tips on traveling with kids over the festive season, check out healthfromzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam, you can send an email to hello at healthfromzanzi.co.za. Or you can even send us an SOS to 076-132-0454. That's 076-132-0454. We will never blue tick you, babes. As we wrap up the year, all I'm hoping for is a safe holiday. The conversation is nerve-wracking but necessary. What was the take-home for you this week, Sine? Holidays bring joy but also many unforeseen challenges. I love how Dr. Gray broke down the safety needs of children through the ages. It is almost like a transition for me. Obviously, when they are infants, be sure to keep a close eye on them. Same applies for toddlers. It is also vital to keep an eye on your children when they take part in activities such as swimming in the sea or using playgrounds. For older kids, it's critical that parents think about their safety and discuss this with their children. Communicate. The festive season is a time for family, friends and festivities with gifts, food and decorations. While these celebrations are meant to be spent having fun and enjoying the company of your loved ones, Be aware of the precautions you can take to ensure your children have a safe and enjoyable season. That brings us to the end of episode 17 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Health from Zanzi. From me, Lulu Ngakani. And me, Sinesi Potom. Have a great week and remember to show us some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.